This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Becoming your own best friend and learning how to mother and nurture yourself will lead the way out of emotional eating. Valeria Tellis interviews Petra Bumer, a counselor and self-care expert and also the founder of Mindful Eating Institute in Santa Barbara. Petra holds a master's degree in psychology from the University of Hamburg, Germany, and has helped thousands of clients make positive lifestyle changes. She has dedicated herself to empowering clients in taking better care of themselves, both physically and emotionally. Petra's specialty areas are weight management, emotional eating, and self-care. And in her work, she combines cognitive behavioral therapy with mindfulness strategies. Her prescription for wellness is to love yourself deeply, to honor your needs and not ignore messages from your body. The goal is to set an intention for finding inner peace and treating yourself with love and self-compassion. She is very passionate about teaching a daily practice of self-nurturing and not using food as a mood regulator. Her focus is on creating new healthy rituals that are sustainable in everyday life. Meet Petra at mindfuleatinginstitute.net. Here is the interview with Petra Bumer. In your own words, who is Petra Bilmer? Um, I am a European transplant who found Santa Barbara 27 years ago and fell in love with this town. My soul knew this is where I truly belonged. And it's a long story how I ended up here, but I have been very fortunate and blessed to live in this town for 27 years and three years ago found my calling to start my own business and help people with self-care, self-love and self-nurturing issues. I, I would say I'm a very um, vibrant, compassionate being that lives from the heart. What is your definition, your own definition of true health? Great question. We are very complex beings and the body, of course, cannot be separated from the mind or the spirit or the soul. And a friend of mine who's a counselor as well said, lessons in life come as a whisper, a yell or a two by four. What, what that means is we need to listen to the whispers from our bodies and so it's not just eating 
nurturing, nourishing foods. It's also making sure not to sweat the small stuff. And um, it's a little early for my favorite quote, but here it comes. (laughs) Self-care is not just chocolate cake and bubble baths. It's creating a life we don't need to regularly escape from. So that to me is the concept of of total health is body, mind, spirit, and soul. So it's creating a life you don't need to regularly escape from. Right. And um, it's also very human um, to want to take the edge off or numb and not feel our painful feelings but they will catch up with us. So it would be wise to welcome them all, um, even the ones that feel a little bit uncomfortable. But that's maybe for another section of our interview. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like another conversation, right? But yes. I love the message. So true. When you say spirit and soul, what do you mean by that? When I came to Santa Barbara, I wouldn't have considered myself to be spiritual. I was raised Catholic and then I recovered from that. And um, I feel I'm practicing grounded spirituality, like Jeff Brown wrote a book called Grounded Spirituality, where I feel we're all connected um, somehow to, to each other. And um, the universe could be interpreted as God or the source. I have a new neighbor who is Muslim. He and I had a wonderful conversation about the difference of religions. But at the core, I believe Valeria is love. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if I'm answering the question. It's a really big one. So spirit and soul is there is a part of us that is um, hosted by our bodies, I feel. We come in with it. We may have had past lives. I'm not 100% sure. But I feel it's something that we cannot really um, manipulate or touch. It's our core. We really are deep, deep, deep down inside. And so I feel in my work, I can't just work on a behavioral level with a person. If there are woundings from an earlier time or um, where the spirit is just shattered from too much pain. And I'm not claiming I'm a psychic or an energy healer, not at all, but I'm very intuitive. And so I pick up a person's essence, so to speak. And um Yeah, I feel like we're so much more than just our physical bodies. Self-care, self-love and self-compassion, are they all the same to you? Mm, They're variations of um, treating ourselves with complete acceptance and kindness, having our own back. And I was introduced to Dr. Kristen Neff's the mindful self-compassion work and maybe if we have time later we can do a one or two minute self-compassion meditation that she teaches I teach it to all my clients I I didn't know what it meant to love yourself I wasn't taught this when I was growing up 
and I was fortunate enough to find a mentor here in town. She was introduced to this kind of work by her older mentor. So she passed it on to me and I'm passing it on to all my clients. It's basically mothering yourself well, whether you're a man or a woman. I didn't have ideal mothering. Many of us didn't. And it's never too late to become the person you needed the most. It's another really good quote that I like. Become the person you needed the most. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to mother yourself well. Wow. I love that too. <laughs> In a way, it's everything. So it's self-care, self-love, and self-compassion. And you added actually self-acceptance. Yes. And um, if I may add, self-care can also mean having firm boundaries and saying no when you mean no and having the courage to speak your truth from the heart and stand in your own light. Many of my clients are afraid to be themselves. They were never was never safe to be who they were. So as adults, we can learn to say, well, this doesn't feel good. And I will say no to this invitation, or to this um, career change, you know, our heart knows our gut knows, we just know what's good for us. And learning to trust that inner wisdom is critical, and it can take some time. So true. It is another practice, isn't it, Petra? Yes, it is. It's a practice. You're right. Do you think it's actually more challenging for women to do that, to say no, than it is for men? Yes, I I, I would say yes. Um, yeah, I have, a, even in my own <laughs> life, you know, whenever I have to access my inner warrior, you know, it's not easy to to say, well, this needs to be taken care of and I will not stop until the issue has been resolved. And yeah, if I had a daughter, which I don't, I would teach her to be a gentle warrior. And Mm. I read somewhere, you know, we always talk about having good boundaries. And I read somewhere boundaries don't have to be electric fences. (laughs) We can have healthy boundaries and still be kind and gentle. But standing firmly on our two feet, like in warrior pose and saying, this feels right. Or when it doesn't, you know, that's your answer. It's really not complicated. I love your wisdom, Petra. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I like yours too. Uh, I think it's very similar. Becoming a gentle warrior. Right? Mm-hmm. How beautiful. I love that. <laughs> that would be a great title of a book. <laughs> you know, I started writing it and yeah. then I stopped and uh, it's just on pause. I'll, I'll revisit it. And um, yeah, so I write blog posts. I like newsletters. I haven't finished a book yet but it's still early in the year so <laughs> yes right let me know <laughs> keep me posted because this will be a wonderful subject topic to be explored mm-hmm. and i love when you say the sense of humor too that's another thing that's important in life yeah the electric i sense. would die i mean i lose my sense of humor I'm like no i <laughs> I've been very stressed the last few months from moving and there were other issues. And if I didn't have the (laughs) friends that I do have that made me laugh, um, yeah, well, humor is critical. 
I feel, for emotional survival and not taking ourselves quite so seriously. And um, when I teach workshops, I make sure there is some lightness because people come in with a lot of pain and suffering around their body image issues, their weight issues. And so I'm, I think my gift is to make them feel safe and heard and seen. And yeah, really, I have a lot of compassion for people who are facing obstacles. Yeah, it, that's interesting that um, sense of humor, laughter, it feels very light, right? It breaks down the heaviness of negativity. And that's another interesting uh, observation, which I have talked to somebody here about that light so we refer to the universe and god goodness to light and looking for it and you know we can um go into a dark room and only shine the light into a corner where there is trash but if we looked around into all the other corners we might we might see something really beautiful and so it's, it's important to watch our thoughts and the stories we tell ourselves. And I mean, I fall victim to it too. And then I have to remind myself like, oh, stop, this is not serving you. Reroute your thinking. So, right, right. And that's not always easy, especially when old, old woundings get reopened. And that's a whole different conversation on how to work with that. But that's what I do in my work. I don't know if it's okay now to talk about weight issues. I get clients, Valeria, who say, I don't have another diet in me. And I say, okay, um, there is another way. I taught weight loss at a pretty um, prestigious clinic here in town and was very successful, was a very assertive coach. People wanted to be in my class. And then my life changed. The universe presented me with a major heartbreak. I was almost not able to work. And the good news is it really broke my heart wide open. So it changed me personally, professionally. I'm no longer an assertive weight loss coach. If somebody wants a diet out of me, I will refer them to someone else. I help people befriend their bodies, understand their relationship with food, and most importantly, understand the true reasons why they reach for food when they're not physically hungry. Right now, the pandemic has pushed many of us to our limits. We're scared, we're insecure, we're anxious. Um, a lot of people have been overeating or drinking too much, I think, since March. And Having compassion for the part that needs self-soothing is super important. And I often work with the inner child and my clients are really good at imagining if a child wanted more cookies or more chips, even though they had a good dinner, eventually the loving adult would say, well, honey, what's going on? You already had some cookies and are you... What's, and then maybe the child would say, oh, I'm worried about school or I don't, I'm scared to go to bed or we would soothe the child and we would use very um, calming messages 
and gestures. And we can do this for ourselves as adults as well. And I use food as a comfort uh, component. I think you use a different name. I say mood regulator. mood regulator. Yeah, and, you know, again, it's very human and understandable if people want to take the edge off or numb or not feel painful feelings. But they're not going to kill us. If we sit with courage and compassion and feel those feelings, that's mastery, you know, it, it really cannot be taught in, in, a, in a session or two to, to welcome all of our feelings and um, not shut them out is the key out of emotional eating. Yeah, it is a practice, isn't it? Yeah, like for all of us. And I love rituals. So I design and co-create beautiful self-love nurturing rituals with clients because what works for you may not work for the other person. So uh, it's that's a beautiful part. And then they have to build that into their lives somehow, making time for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so you no longer prescribe diets. Correct. What do you think about diets, Petra? Well, I know all about it. I give talks on the topic and I have research that proves diets do not work long term. Short term, of course. I taught it. I've seen it. Great results. But long term, I'd say many, not everyone, but many, many people need more support with regards to the emotional eating component. It's like putting keep putting oil in your in your car and you know you actually need a new motor you know eventually mm, right. but well yeah. the core issue is i eat when i'm sad i eat when i'm anxious or depressed that's why diets will never work they just hover above the surface and what's really sad too people who lose weight they gain it they lose it they gain it the yo-yo dieting makes them so frustrated and hopeless and i've seen it so many times the pain associated with i'm so afraid to fail again and then they hang in there with me and around three four months into the treatment i do see a shift people seem calmer They don't obsess about eating as much. They have implemented new self-care rituals. And, you know, there's no guarantee that this happens at three months. But, you know, the ones that are ready, they will practice a different way of self-care. So if there's anybody listening who is tired of dieting and hopeless, um, there is another way out of this. And that's really good news. <laughs> so it's basically addressing the cause and not the symptoms, my Petra. Yes. If that is common sense. I'm wondering why so many of us don't see that. As well, because it takes courage and, um, you know, not everybody wants to go back into their childhood wounds. And that's so understandable. I don't treat eating disorders, I refer them out to specialists. So I, I help emotional eaters. It's a different category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The purpose of life, what do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Why are we here? Well, that's such a big question. And when I was younger, I was such a thinker and philosopher. 
And that's all I wondered is why am I here? Why am I here? It took me many, many years until recently where I feel we all have a unique gift and to share it with others and love well. I feel loving well would be a life well lived, making a contribution, making a positive change. That can look, it could be a techno, techno, um, technological invention. It could be being a nurse. It could be anything where you really help lift others. And it starts with us. We need to be really kind and loving to ourselves so we can radiate that light out into the world. So I feel, um, yeah, that's where it starts. And then hopefully you'll share that love with the rest of the world. Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> what a beautiful confirmation that we are here to love ourselves and then pass that on to others. I guess when we know who we are, then it just, everything else just arises, love and everything else that's great. We don't need to try, right, Petra, that hard? I um, started again this little practice of waking up in the morning, making my coffee and lighting a candle and sitting down with my journal and just quickly just writing down what I'm grateful for, setting an intention for the day, and then also thirdly, how can I be of service to others? And that could sometimes mean make soup and bring a cup of soup over to a friend's house. Or what can you do for others? There is a happiness research that has proven that when we do nice things for other people, our own well-being shifts. Doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My last warm-up question is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? To be you unapologetically, to be oneself. I think that is true freedom. And of course, we're blessed in America to have freedom of speech and all that. And some people don't. But mainly just in our part of the world is I feel freedom means to allow yourself to shine your light brightly and be yourself without worrying about what others think. And there's a beautiful affirmation um, a psychologist here in town named David Rico came up with is, I let go of the need to correct people's impression of me. Mm -hmm. And I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. So freedom is actually being ourselves, being authentic, not being afraid. Being to, yeah, that's yeah. the word, authenticity. And yeah, not living from a place of fear. Yeah. And yeah, freedom is also embracing life as it is just this moment. And that's the hardest thing to do <laughs> Yeah, for, for most of us. It's so easy to just dwell in the past or future. It's... Uh, for some reason, the mind loves that. The mind loves that. And I was curious about it once. And I came across a Harvard psychologist researcher, and he explained for the first time that our brains, that we're wired for something that he called, quote unquote, nexting, N-E-X-T-I-N-G. Mm -hmm. So next the next moment and the next and the next. So it's part of the human brain to want to do that. And 
So it takes a lot of practice and energy to say no, come back to the now. And the breath, of course, can be our anchor. And coming back to the breath helps. So mm. in a way, uh, we are going against the, the tide, right? Yes. The natural waves <laughs> yeah, of the brain. Yeah. Uh, wow. Maybe that's why it requires practice. Yeah, this is, you've said this um, many times, and it's very important, the word practice, rituals. You know, if we want to play the piano, it just, you don't just sit down and start playing. It's practice, practice, practice. And meditation can start with one minute a day, or you can do a mindful walking meditation. And um, notice the sounds, the smells, the sights, and gently invite yourself to be present could be a gentle exercise you know gentle practice yeah. for beginners it's interesting how you keep bringing that word back yeah gentle the gentle warrior now gentle practice yeah and i only say this because i was born and raised in germany where people are not necessarily <laughs> gentle with themselves and <laughs> when I came to California, I felt there was a lightness of being here that I absolutely embraced. And it's good for me to be here. So, yeah, being gentle is so important. So, I agree. And it is an unlearning process, isn't it? And the gentler we are with ourselves, then the kinder we are with others. Right? Yeah. So talk to me for a moment about the Mindful Eating Institute, Petra. Yes. Um, I taught weight loss, at a, as I said earlier, for four years. Yeah. And it was a behavior change program. I was good at it. However, I noticed that 50% of my patients would gain their weight back uh, even a year after, you know, even though they came back to class. And so I thought, well, um, something is missing here. And in 2017, I let go of the ledge of a secure job with benefits. And my soul was breaking through. And I was just really guided to start my own business. And my mission statement is that I teach my clients to be at peace with food and their body. And um, yeah, it's a longer term approach. There's no quick fix with work mm -hmm. like this. But it's beautiful to see when a client achieves that inner balance and slowly starts developing a healthier and a more relaxed relationship with food. That's the goal, not to stress about it and just really eat when you're hungry. I don't teach black or white thinking there are no good or bad foods. Um, intuitive eating, of course, is a key word. And recently I read an article which was so clever. It was written about intuitive drinking as well. And because people have been medicating with alcohol during the pandemic as well. So it comes back to the same thing. How else can I self-soothe? How else can I make my inner child feel safe? How can I have my own back? Um, because mo in most cases, we don't need the extra sugar or the extra food. We just need maybe our hands on our heart, a few deep breaths, and wishing ourselves well. And it sounds easy enough, but 
You know, sometimes clients have been practicing this overeating thing for over 40 years, so it can't just go away in a few months, right? So unlearning, it takes actually, it's more challenging than learning. I agree. It is. And um, I developed a little mindful eating and self-care workbook where people can identify their levels of physical hunger, then also identify the emotions before a meal and even after a meal. And at the end of the day, there's always a gratitude and a proud of list. So it's it's a cute little workbook um, that I give away um, to clients. It's, of course, not enough, but it's just a little tool that's in the toolbox. Yeah, it's a reference. And speaking of yes. that, um, how do we know the difference between physical hunger from emotional hunger? Great question, Valeria. Sometimes my clients, they cannot tell the difference. But in most cases, people can. And they, they say, I wasn't hungry, but I went to the kitchen anyway. So in very rare cases, people are so disconnected from those physical cues that that takes another road of learning and um, fine tuning. But in most cases, I would say my clients do know how to eat. They know when they're hungry and this emotional eating pattern has been overriding all this for many, many years because it got them through. And that's the part where somebody should never feel shame around it or feel like a failure. If that's what's got you through tough times, have compassion for that. And then we start fresh and we start practicing different behaviors that nourish and nurture us. So you actually start with the practice or the understanding of self-love and self-compassion? Well, I have, yes, that's true. Self and I also have a questionnaire that we work through where I have clients identify what's going well in their lives. I use, I don't know if you know this, it's a life balance wheel that you can color out depending on your level of satisfaction. It's a fun exercise with crayons. So you can see, oh, this part is really strong. Spiritual connection is strong. Um, career, mm, not so good. Uh, relationship, challenging. So that's just one visual. And then I have a four page intake form that goes way beyond eating right. and to understand, you know, it's so interesting um, what I've heard. I had a young client from Brazil and I would have never guessed that this shy woman had this amazing talent. And I asked her a question, what would make a big difference six months from today? And the first question was lose weight. And the second one was be back on stage. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I'm an actress in my country. And here she was living in, in a foreign country uh, as a accountant's assistant. So her light got so dim and she was so not living according to her life force yeah. that the eating became the coping mechanism. Right. Yeah. Wow. And I love the question you ask that you say, what is your heart hungry for? Yes. A beautiful question. 
It's a very important question. You know, what has been put on the back burner? Is there any hobby that gave you joy or made you feel alive? Another good question to ask oneself is, when do I feel most alive and energized? Mm -hmm. When was the last time you tapped into that? And we need to bring that back. What are we waiting for? Right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, that would change everything, my Petra, everything. Yes. So we need to look at what's holding people back. What are the obstacles? Understanding uh, the fear that's holding people back. And yeah, it, there are so many different reasons. And I have compassion for all of them because I know how hard it is to embark on a new journey into unfamiliar territory, but it's so worth it. I'm a risk, I'm not a risk taker, but I don't uh, shy away from um, going on a new path, let's say. Yeah, exploring, mm -hmm. right? Life. Exploring, yeah. The possibilities, because there are so many. Uh, and There are so many, you're right. Yeah, and we are just, <laughs> some of us are not aware that we have choices and possibilities in front of us, it's right there. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you. Those are the ending questions. Would you like to add anything? Um, I don't know if it's appropriate to say, but through the end of January, if somebody wants to work with me, I'm offering 20% off of all programs. If anybody looks at the website. So just it's a verbal thing that I'm adding uh, right now that Times are tough and finances can be an issue. So nothing is written in stone there. So that's all I want. <laughs> True. Um, any information you wanted me to um, have on a podcast, your profile, I can have it there too, Petra. You can send it to me by email. If you want to have your email, your website, website I will have automatically. But any other information, I'll have it there too. Mm -hmm. So two more questions, the ending questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I would jump in the ocean today, <laughs> even though it's cold. <laughs> Although it's cold, right? Um, <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it's a, another really, you ask great questions. I would... Um, if I could, well, not if I could, I would really turn up the self-love volume even higher. I mean, to the absolute max. <laughs> yeah. And dance more. I think I would dance more. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean to turn the volume up? I love that too. The volume of self-love. Self <laughs> yeah, I feel I love myself well, but if I knew I only had a few more days, I would just, you know what I mean? I turn up the the intensity or the dial, the self-love dial to the very right. Yeah, yeah that means yeah. probably would mean dancing more, going to the beach more, those things. Or would you say more things like, uh, I don't know, calling people you have not spoken in so Well, I do years. that anyway. And I do go to the beach regularly. And I, But dancing is the one thing that I miss a lot right now, especially salsa, because you need a partner. But I could dance in my living room if I wanted to. So I think I would just dance more. I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking, oh, I wish I had danced more. <laughs> yeah. Really, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's something mm -hmm. about music and dance. It's healing too, oh, isn't it? Wow. So healing, Freeing. yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? <laughs> wow, I love being asked deep questions. Um, the first is love is all that matters. Um, the second one, we're more than just our bodies. And I think the third is there's always hope. Thank you so much, Petra, for your, <laughs> your sense uh, of humor, you your so light. Much. I love how light you are. Yeah, it's throughout the interview, that lightness that um, interestingly, it relates to the spirit. So mm -hmm. I love your light. I love your wisdom. I love your work. I love everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, Valeria. Thank you so very much for having me. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Yes, it's uh, on the web, mindfuleatinginstitute.net. So it's www.mindfuleatinginstitute.net. Wonderful. I'll have that link here too. Mm -hmm. So bye for now and we'll, we'll be in touch. Thank you. All right. Thank you again. Take care. <laughs> you too. Bye, Petra. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Petra Bumer and her work, visit mindfuleatinginstitute.net. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.